Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So, You can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now. America and happy Sunday. Oh, it may be Sunday, but we're not going to let you down. We've got an all-star lineup worthy of any day of the week. Congressman Ralph Norman's going to join us at the top of the show. He's from South Carolina. He's one of those Freedom Caucus guys that really forced change in the House Republican Caucus in the House at large, writ large. And he is going to tell us today what Republicans have quietly been doing behind the scenes to cut the deficit, to cut spending, to present a deal to Joe Biden, who doesn't want to meet yet, but eventually he's going to have to meet, to trim a stunning amount of money for the federal budget as part of the effort to raise the debt limit. Republicans are going to raise the debt limit, but they want big cuts. They want some skin in the game. And Ralph Norman's going to give you an exclusive look at what's being discussed, what's under discussion, what's going to happen it's a big number. I'm hearing the number 17 trillion over 10 years. Let's see if that's right. With our good friend, Ralph Norman, congressman from South Carolina. He'll kick us off today. We'll hear from another lawmaker, this one from New York, who just came back from a really stunning trip with Pacific allies. Congressman Mike Lawler from New York has a lot to say about what our allies think about Joe Biden, about the U.S. standing in the world, what China's doing right under our noses. You're not going to want to miss that. That's a really fantastic conversation. And then we'll do a little bit of election integrity in the middle of the show. Jennifer Wright, former chief of the election integrity unit at Arizona's attorney general office. She's representing Abe Hamaday. There's an interesting twist in the Arizona lawsuits involving Abe Hamaday and Kerry Lake. Something Democrats did with Mark Elias, the super Democratic lawyer, maybe boomeranging around. We're going to have that Jennifer Wright in the third block of the show. Then Tom Fitton, a champion of all things related to transparency in our government. He's always following lawsuits, trying to make a difference at Judicial Watch. He's going to talk to us. we got a lot to talk about, about the Hunter Biden scandal, documents that Judicial Watch is getting, about the guns, about visits to the White House. That's going to be a good one. And then we'll finish up down at the border. Former Homeland Security Secretary Chad Wolf will be with us. He has a lot of thoughts about what is already a problem at the border, a crisis at the border, what will happen when the Title 42 officially lifts in May, and what other lessons we can learn from this horrific Pentagon leak. Chad Wolf's a guy that's been dealing with classified information for a long time. He has some real thoughts about what's right and wrong about the Pentagon system. How did a National Guardsman low-ranking in Massachusetts get access to the things reserved for the Joint Chiefs of Staff? That's a great question, and we're going to ask that to Chad Wolf. And then we've got a bonus segment. The six, we're going to do a six segment. Earlier in the week, Amanda and I had an amazing conversation 
with a teacher in Missouri who's being ordered to pay $300,000 for suing her school district because she thought that the curriculum being shown children was harmful, hurtful, and being hidden from the parents. Her reward for that effort to alert her school and her community about this, a big bill from a federal judge. We don't know if that's going to stand, but you're going to hear a lot about that from Brooke and from her lawyer, who also is my lawyer in some of FOIA cases, Kimberly Herman, in the bonus block of today's show. So don't go anywhere. We've got a six-pack for you on a beautiful spring Sunday afternoon. We'll be right back after these messages to start off our conversation with Congressman Ralph Norman. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So, You can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now. You know what, folks? Stress may be why you can't lose weight. If you've got moderate to high stress like I do, a doctor-formulated weight loss supplement called Lean could be your solution. Chronic stress wreaks havoc on blood sugar, which can cause your body to store excess fat. Stress can also slow your metabolism, which fuels weight gain. And you know all about stress eating and sugar cravings, right? Now the good news. The studied ingredients in lean have been shown to help maintain healthy blood sugar levels, help optimize metabolism, and keep your appetite under control. Now, if your life is a bit stressful like mine and you want to lose weight, add lean to your healthy diet and exercise lifestyle. Now get 15% off and free shipping at takelean.com. That's takelean.com and enter the promo code justnews15. That's the promo code justnews15 at takelean.com. One more time, takelean.com. Statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, and it's not a substitute alternative for care from a health care provider. He's our good friend, Congressman Ralph Norman. Congressman, great to have you back on the show, sir. Well, great to be with you, John and Amanda. I want to start with the news of Alvin Bragg. Alvin Bragg telling a federal judge, Jim Jordan in Congress has no business looking at my office now. He spent $5,000. Uh, federal money pursuing uh, Donald Trump ever since the, uh, the Pentagon Papers when Senator Mike Gravel back in 71 put them in the record saying he had uh, a financial interest in them to, to make sure money was being spent right. The courts have repeatedly upheld it. Does Alvin Bragg have any chance there? Well, I, I certainly hope not, John. I mean, it's a travesty what this administration has done uh, to weaponize every agency of government. Uh, and Alvin Bragg just represents that. He's made a lifetime goal of going after President Trump. He announced that to the uh, early on when he took office. And um, no, I don't think he's got any chance. I mean, he doesn't want in any investigation because of what it might lead to. Uh, imagine a sitting ex-president or really any American being charged with something, a crime that they're not even 
identifying. So it doesn't surprise me that he's doing this. The, the Democrats always take the uh, when in doubt, sue, take them to court, make them spend money. Uh, but this is old hat. Jordan is good at what he does, and I, I don't think it'll have any impact. I know it won't have any, any impact on Jim Jordan going after and doing what's right for the American people. It's Alvin Bragg that needs to worry about what he's doing. Sure. Congressman, you are among a, a group of a pretty sizable group, actually, of Republicans who are principled, especially as it pertains to our budget, uh, our debt, our economy. And so speaking of spending, I wanted to ask you about this ongoing debt crisis, bumping that debt ceiling and, and what's to come in the next month or so. The last time that Speaker McCarthy spoke to President Biden, I believe, was a few months ago. And, you know, a lot of Americans look at these issues. They see where, where our studio is in D.C. There's a billboard with that ticker, the national debt ticker that just keeps going up and up and up. And it is on everyone's mind. I know that uh, you have some some comments about this regarding Speaker McCarthy and his handling of it. Talk to us about how you're feeling about the current status of it. Well, first of all, we can't wait. Time is is not on our side. It's up it's up to us as legislators to put forth a budget that balances, as Mr. McCarthy agreed to do, within ten years. Uh, now, and and we just had a conference call on it today. We will be getting together uh, next week to put together a, a budget on paper in short order, uh, among a lot of things, uh, starting the spending trajectory down, uh, having a debt ceiling which by the way, could could face us in first of June, uh, whenever Janet, uh, Janet Yellen you know exercises all the extraordinary measures. But uh, we, we've got to produce something. It's tired of talking about it. It's tired of talking about how the Biden administration is is not doing right and all the faults of that. I could care less about what Bo, Joe Biden says. His words have no meaning. His budget he put forth has no meaning other than spending our hard-earned tax money. You will see in the next two weeks. Uh, the beginnings of a great budget that offsets the uh, any increase in the debt ceiling. You will see a budget that has severe cuts uh, that will uh, will be in excess of 17 trillion. And I tell you, we can't lose sight of the interest. You never hear people talking about the interest on the 32 trillion. One uh, one trillion is 30 billion dollars. And so we've got to keep sight. Whatever we say, we've got to take that into account. But it's now or never. Our shining moment is now to put forth a conservative budget. And I think it's gaining momentum in the House. And it's going to be up to Mr. McCarthy uh, to get the 218 votes to deliver on what he promised. And I think he will. Hmm. Do you feel good right now that Republicans who've been so unified the first two months and really getting a lot done in a very short period of time that they stick together on this and that Kevin McCarthy can keep the vote together to do the things that you promised the American people you would do? He will, as long as he promotes that, John, I mean, he can't, uh, we can't run the clock out. Right. You know, I, we're simply not going to, uh, you know, come June, not have anything. And then all of a sudden, uh, the 911 call is made that we've got to increase the debt limit. Uh, that's not going to happen. We're going to get something. It, it will not be a clean debt limit as the president wants. It'll be uh, severe cuts to offset any. Uh, and I hear, keep hearing two to three trillion is what he wants to increase the debt limit. Right. But we're at the end of the runway. Uh, we've got to start addressing it. Economic security is national security. And uh, we're going to force the issue on this. And it's a growing number of us uh, that are doing this. No doubt. 
Congressman, if I know anything about Ralph Norman, it is that you are a small government type guy. And I look at the details pertaining to the Restrict Act and, you know, TikTok is a huge part of our conversations right now with respect to national security. I totally understand that. But a lot of folks have described the Restrict Act uh, as the Patriot Act on steroids. If it is, if the Patriot Act was a gremlin, it is a gremlin doused in water. It basically takes ownership and control of all of the data out there there on the internet, including devices that are connected to the internet or have that capability. It is terrifying to me as a small government type person. Am I being a little bit crazy? No, you're exactly right, Amanda. I mean, a billion people use TikTok. It's been downloaded over 210 million times. Uh, it gives the executive branch more control. And as you, as you stated, it gives them their judge and jury on what they consider uh, a danger to the uh, to America, and uh, we got to make sure it, it's got to be something that's locked down. The devil will be in the details with this, and from what I'm hearing about it, and what I'm what little I've read on it, it's not something we can agree to. It's got something's got to have a lot more teeth. And I'm, I'm you know the government, the federal government does not need to be involved. We need to pass a simple bill that outlaws it, bans it, and then uh, make them make let them the Democrats make the case on why they need it. Because it's it's is frightening. It's a uh, it's a danger to our republic. And it's a danger to our freedoms if if we let TikTok continue to exist and do what they've been doing, which is gathering information on Americans. Yeah, no doubt. So many people concerned about that, sir. You've talked several times about the Pentagon having its eye off the ball, maybe focused on woke issues and ideology instead of securing the nation. Now a massive breach of data coming out of the Pentagon records. We don't know where that breach occurred yet. But the early reporting suggests that the Pentagon didn't even know about it for three or four months. These things were sitting out in gaming forums and in social media forums. And the Pentagon doesn't wear, uh, even become aware of it until the Russians kind of fling it out on one of their Telegram accounts. How concerned are you that we're not keeping an eye on our nation's best secrets? Well, the, the proof is in the pudding, as they say. I mean, the docs uh, were initially posted online in January. Yeah. The government was unaware on April 5th. And, you know, this is one of the biggest breaches we've had in, in, in the history of the country. It detailed the war in Ukraine. It had communications about the United States allies uh, and about our penetration of Russian military plans. And uh, it's very serious. And, you know, you look at the, the, the focus of this administration has been woke. It's been the Green New Deal. It hadn't been keeping this country safe. If he was intent, if this administration was intent on keeping the country safe, they would have shut the border long before now. But this latest security breach is dangerous. And look what it's done to Ukraine. I mean, to say that they will will run out of missiles in uh, May 2nd, they had the papers that went from Millie uh, and others in, in the Pentagon. I mean, this is pretty serious. And uh, we'll see how they focus on it. I have no faith in, in, the, in, in the administration, though, John, yeah. uh, their intent on uh, their agenda, which to me is destroying this country. And it's up to us to try to put a stop to it. But this it's very serious. And how many other nations are going to are going to uh, hesitate to give us anything sensitive if we just let this go? But I, I don't see any action well, out of this administration. Yeah. Well, and and that leak out of Russia, rubbing it in our faces. Same thing with the spy balloon in China, rubbing it in our faces. Is there anything Joe Biden can do to turn around foreign policy, regain respect uh, on on the global stage, or is it going to take another president? 
it's going to take another president, man. It's it's not in his DNA to do anything. Uh, all this has been intentional. That's what's so disturbing. How do you walk back uh, the leak of the documents? How do you walk back all the uh, illegals coming across the border? It's so many things, but no, I don't look for him to do anything. He doesn't want to do it. All right, folks, don't go anywhere. When we come back from the break, Congressman Mike Lawler back from a trip from the Asia Pacific Rim. Wow, you won't believe what our allies are telling us, what they're saying about Joe Biden, what they fear, and what they're not seeing from the United States in leadership. We'll have that right after this commercial break. Folks, Factors, delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan, plus veggie, and so much more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutritional-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious and easy. What are you waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. If you're like me and have a busy schedule that the last thing you want to worry about is what to eat or having to go to the grocery store, Factor makes it easy. As they are flexible to your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Plus, Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, usually in just two minutes. So there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Head to factormeals.com slash justnews50 and use the promo code justnews50 to get 50% off. That's the code justnews50 at factormeals.com. One more time, factormeals.com slash justnews50. Use the justnews50 code and you will get 50% off your first order. Folks, if you get your wallet stolen or your cell phone or your car, we know what it is. It's old-fashioned theft. It's crime. We know it. Criminals now have a new way to steal our most valuable asset, our homes. Older Americans are most vulnerable to these types of thefts, and that's because they more often own their homes outright. An 88-year-old Florida woman recently discovered that scammers forged her signature, created a fake deed to her home, and then took her property. Those who buy a property from a deed theft scammer often become victims as well. What can you do to protect yourself? It's simple. My good friends at Home Title Lock provide the premier detection technology to protect your home and its title. The instant they detect an activity or something suspicious, they mobilize to help shut it down. We won't know a thief took us off our title until it's too late. That's why Title Lock jumps into action right away. The titles to all our homes are easily found online. A criminal or renter, even a family member, can simply forge your signature on a home sale form. Then he or she refiles as the new owner and bam, your home is not in your name and all of a sudden debts are being taken out against it. That's why Home Title Lock is my choice. Find out for free when you use my code JUSTNEWS at sign up. You'll get a free comprehensive scan of your home's title and 30 days of legendary home title lock protection free. So go to hometitlelock.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS. That's the promo code JUSTNEWS at hometitlelock.com. Go there today. Congressman Mike Waller from the great state of New York. Congressman, great to have you on the show. Thanks, John. Appreciate it. Um, you just had this extraordinary moment on the world stage. You've gotten to see what our allies see, tell you they see in the United States right now, the leadership of Joe Biden. What's the pipeline of what our allies told you during this great trip? Well, it really was a, a fantastic trip. Uh, we went and met with the Indo-Pacific Command uh, commander in Hawaii. Uh, we saw our troops in Guam. 
uh, and then went to Japan, South Korea, and Taiwan, uh, and met with the heads of state as well as legislative leaders uh, there in those respective countries. And we talked about uh, the important relationship uh, between the United States uh, and our allies in the Indo-Pacific. Uh, and we talked about the, the context of the Russian invasion into Ukraine and the impact that that has had on the Indo-Pacific uh, and obviously, of course, China. Uh, and they are all looking for the United States to lead. Uh, and I think what we continue to see uh, with this administration, frankly, is a failure to do that. Uh, one of the big takeaways from the Russian invasion of Ukraine was the fact that we did not move quickly enough to deter Vladimir Putin. Uh, and we knew he was building up troops on the Ukrainian border. Right. We did not arm the Ukrainians fast enough, despite uh, promises to do so. Uh, and we're seeing the potential of a repeat with respect to Taiwan. And that's why this trip was so important uh, to strengthen our relationships with Japan, with South Korea, uh, our, our other allies in the region, Australia, the Philippines, uh, Thailand. We need to be working together economically uh, and militarily uh, to make it very clear to President Xi uh, that any such invasion of Taiwan or blockade in the Strait of Taiwan uh, is not only unacceptable, uh, but would be met with uh, severe consequences. You got to keep in mind, 60% of international trade comes through the Strait of Taiwan, and over 90% of semiconductors are manufactured in Taiwan. They're our eighth largest trading partner. There would be significant economic impact on the United States uh, were such an invasion or blockade to occur. So this is very serious um, and we need to, to take it as such. And the Biden administration uh, needs to do a much better job of working with our allies in the Indo-Pacific uh, to really ensure there is a strong deterrence against China. Yeah, so important. Congressman, the goal is typically for uh, a presidential administ administration in the military to be in lockstep with respect to goals and methods and, and things like that. As you were on this trip and you spoke to Indo-Pacific Command and, and other parts of the or other components of the military, um, as far as their concerns and progress and, and just the, the situation there, does that differ from the Biden administration's messaging? And if so, how? Well, obviously, we, we had a number of classified uh, meetings that I, I can't get into too much of the specifics on with our, our military leaders. But uh, what I would say is this. It's very clear that uh, we need to uh, arm Taiwan uh, and that we need to get them the equipment that they need and have purchased uh, much more expeditiously uh, than we are currently doing. And I, I think the sooner we can get that done, um, obviously, uh, the administration needs to make that a priority. Uh, the more confident I think everyone will be uh, in, in the situation uh, in the Indo-Pacific. But more importantly, I think, you know, what our, uh, our uh, allies in the region are looking for uh, is for American leadership and for us to uh, bring together a coalition, a NATO-like coalition in the Indo-Pacific, uh, that really will ensure uh, the, the uh, balance of power there and will ensure stability uh, in uh, the Strait of Taiwan, which is, as I mentioned earlier, critical with respect to international trade. 
Yeah, so much important commerce flowing through there. Yesterday, I had a chance to talk to former National Security Advisor John Bolton. He said the same thing as you. It's really important that we build on the Quad Agreements and try to create a NATO-like organization in the, in the Pacific. And until we get it stood up, he said, maybe we ought to consider putting some U.S. troops in Taiwan just to create an extra deterrence. Did those sort of did that idea ever come up in any of the conversations you had with allies or the military that you could talk about? Obviously, it's a very sensitive issue, and we did meet with the president of Taiwan, who uh, had a history-making stop in California and met with Speaker McCarthy in a bipartisan uh, delegation. Um, you know, there's certainly concern uh, in Taiwan. They don't want to uh, necessarily provoke uh, China, uh, and obviously you saw China's response to President Tsai's visit to California, uh, sending battleships and uh, Swarties and, and uh, surrounding the island uh, with, you know, quote unquote, military exercises. Uh, so it's certainly sensitive. But I think one thing that is fundamentally clear to me uh, is that we, the United States, need to be working very closely with Japan, who uh, has uh, doubled its national defense, uh, going over 2% of its GDP, the third largest investment of any uh, country in the world. Uh, South Korea, who has made clear that uh, they are looking beyond the Korean Peninsula uh, when it comes to national security. Uh, the Philippines and Australia, who have uh, partnered with us in a, in a significant way. Uh, you're seeing countries make moves uh, to ensure the long-term stability in the region. And it's really because of the actions of President Xi and President Putin. Uh, they understand the threats that are emanating there. And so the United States needs to be much more clear uh, about where it stands. Uh, strategic ambiguity, in my opinion, is not working. Uh, and we need to be much more clear about the economic uh, and military consequences of such an invasion. And I think, obviously, uh, the potential for troops in Taiwan uh, is something that, that uh, should be discussed for the future. Uh, but you know, right now, I think what is most critical uh, is to get uh, Taiwan uh, the weapons and the training uh, that they need uh, to protect themselves and also build the economic relationships uh, on trade, uh, on sanctions uh, potentially against China, uh, and also on uh, manufacturing of things like semiconductors, right. uh, which are critical to, to the global economy. So That's right. And becoming more and more important, sir. Yet another very important role that you have in Congress. You serve uh, on the House Financial Services Committee with this administration, this economy. It seems to be a numbers game with respect to the narrative that they sell the American people. But you cannot uh, you, you cannot lie to the American people such that they don't feel inflation. They don't feel it in their pocketbooks. They don't feel it on the kitchen table. You serving on that committee. What's your forecast with that regard to uh, in the rest of the year? Well, I'm obviously very concerned about uh, recession and long-term stagflation. Uh, I think the Biden administration owns this. Uh, they increase spending by over $5 trillion. And the reality is you cannot just print new money and continue to borrow uh, at the levels that they have. Uh, they created a 41-year record high inflation. And when you look at the fact that inflation was at such levels, and interest rates needed to go up to combat inflation. You see the consequence of that with Silicon Valley Bank uh, and the, the collapse of long-term treasuries as a result. Um, you know, this is significant. And 
We need to get spending under control. Uh, it's why the, the whole debate around the debt ceiling uh, is going to come to a head because we need to have long-term spending reforms. And mind you, Joe Biden, when he was vice president of the United States, uh, negotiated uh, the raising of the debt ceiling on behalf of the Obama administration that included long-term spending cuts. And so he should have no objection to doing the same thing, given how much money uh, they spent uh, over the last two years. So this is something where if we're going to get our economy moving in the right direction again, we need to rein in reckless spending. All right, folks, time for an update on election integrity. Jennifer Wright, former head of the Election Integrity Unit for the Arizona Attorney General's Office, a big twist in the Abe Hamaday Kerry Lake lawsuits down in Arizona over the 2022 midterm elections. You're not going to want to miss it. Democrats did something. It may boomerang back on them. We'll let you know right after the commercial break. Hey, folks, it's John Solomon here. Today, I want to shine a light on AMAC, an organization who's dedicated to America's seniors, but is vital for conservatives of all ages. AMAC stands out by not only advocating for senior issues, but also by pushing for conservative values that affect us all. By joining, you're not just supporting our senior citizens, you're part of a movement defending the freedoms that made this country great and to ensure that we secure our nation's future. Plus, membership brings you exclusive benefits like discounts on travel, dining, and entertainment, and of course, special insurance rates, one of the things I like. Regardless of your age, if you're driven to preserve freedom, AMAC welcomes you. This is about uniting youthful vigor with the wisdom of experience and our quest to keep this country great. Sign up now for amac.us slash justnews. And for a limited time, you get a free gift membership for someone else who shares your love for our great nation. Don't miss out on this chance to make a difference from AMAC. Join today at amac.us slash justnews. That's amac.us slash justnews and extend the invitation to a friend or family member for free. What a great opportunity. Folks, Field of Greens is the healthiest thing I do every day and I want you on this journey with me. Why? It's literally one scoop a day. It tastes great. I love the fruit flavors particularly and it's completely improved my life and my health. This is nutrition the way nature intended. When I began taking a hard look at why I wasn't feeling good and why I felt unhealthy, why I was gaining weight, why I was losing energy, it wasn't just because I had hit my 50s. No, it was because I wasn't getting the right amount of fruit and vegetables in my diet. And listen, it's, I'm just too busy to go to the store, clean up the vegetables, cook uh, uh, vegetable dinners, and make sure I hit the fruit. A field of greens stepped in. One scoop of powder in my drink or on my eggs in the morning, and boom, I was off and feeling better. And suddenly, I was losing weight. I was sleeping better. My metabolism went up. My blood sugar went down. My cholesterol went down, and my weight went down. And my doctor said, hey, whatever you're doing, keep it doing. You know what that is? It's Field of Greens. That's what I've been doing. Field of Greens is radically different. Each organic fruit and vegetable was medically chosen to support heart and vital organ health. I trust Field of Greens to keep me healthy. I promise you, you're going to love this product. But if for any reason you don't, they'll give you your 100% money back guarantee. Now, you're going to get 15% off your first order plus free rush shipping because of the incredible partnership we have here at Just the News with Brick house nutrition and of course field of greens all you got to do to take advantage of this offer visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code just news that's promo code just news at fieldofgreens.com don't wait go to fieldofgreens.com today use the promo code just news for 15 percent off 
Welcome back, everybody. The Mojave County Court in Arizona has ordered oral arguments on a motion that would grant 2022 GOP nominee for Arizona Attorney General Abe Hamaday, he's been on the show many times, a new trial to challenge the 2020 elections. According to a recent tweet, Abe said his legal team will look to expose the government's withholding of evidence that undermined the law. His attorney, Jennifer Wright, who's an expert in her own right on election integrity, joins us right now. Jennifer, great to have you back on the show. Thank you for having me. So bring us up to date. This Mojave County court order is a big deal. Tell us what's next. I guess oral arguments are next, right? Correct. So uh, the Mojave County Court uh, just ordered the uh, oral arguments to be set on May 16th, which will enable us to argue that we deserve a new trial based off of the evidence that was withheld by the Secretary of State's office and by the Maricopa County uh, Recorder's office. Wow. Jennifer, I'm sure you don't want to divulge your whole plan, but what are some of the most important components that you're going to put forth in these oral arguments? Well, you know, on the most part, they've been spelled out in our pleadings, and that is that uh, the Secretary of State, uh, then, Kate, then Katie Hobbs, who was then Secretary of State, was aware that the precise issues that were litigated at trial regarding what's called an undervote, and that is when the machine reads a vote as a uh, as a no vote when it, there may have been a vote. And we found in our investigation when the trial was first brought that there were ballots that uh, should have been cast as a validly marked ballot, but was re recorded as an undervote. That was affirmed in the recount efforts in Pinal County. That specific issue was brought up in Pinal County. And so that information was withheld from the court uh, to show that we actually did have an undervote situation that may have affected the impact of the two 280 vote differential race. Wow. And so that's a big part. And then the other big part are the provisional ballots. Uh, now that we have had a chance to review the provisional date ballot information and the people who cast provisional ballots, we're finding a lot of people had their voter registration canceled by erroneous government processes and proceedings that uh, made it so that their ballot wasn't counted. And that's another issue that we're going to bring up at trial disenfranchising voters. That's going to be a chilling <laughs> discovery. Um, there was an earthquake in uh, Democratic politics today. The Democratic National Committee confirmed that Mark Elias, its longtime election lawyers, is parting ways with the party, a difference in the strategies that we're told it is. Uh, but there is a recent set of actions that Mark Elias was pursuing in Arizona that I'm told could have a significant impact on Abe Hamaday's case. Can you bring us up to speed on what Mark Elias did and how it may actually have a very positive effect on Abe Hamaday's case? Yes. Yeah, so Mark Elias filed suit uh, against the state of Arizona this past summer, alleging that um, the recent law that was enacted that would have legally enabled counties to cancel a voter registration record uh, based off of um, a purported change in address. Um, he, he basically argued that that would disenfranchise voters. And uh, uh, under the safeguards that should be in place under the National Voter Registration uh, Act, they, they, they shouldn't have been canceling valid registrations, but our our campaign is finding they did. We're finding that erroneous government processes and procedures caused th at least a thousand voters in the state of Arizona to have their voter registration canceled and moved to a different county without their express intent. And it, it's Mark Elias's case that's going to help us show that this is a problem. This is a violation of the of the NVRA and, and of people's civil rights. Amazing. 
You know, it's pretty normal to hear politicians speaking out of both sides of their mouth and stepping on their own argument from years previous, but it's not usually this recently that you have that situation. Uh, speaking of prior precedent, is, is there prior judicial precedent for a Palmaday's case? So Arizona has had two major elections overturned through election contests. One was a uh, Board of Supervisors race as recently as 1997. Uh, so that election was held in 96. After a successful election contest, the Board of Supervisors was removed from office in December of 97. Uh, that was not the first case. And the most significant one was the gubernatorial election in 1916. Following that election, there was an election contest that was brought under the same statutes that we're bringing our case under. And after 13 months of litigation in December of 1917, the governor was removed from office and the, the person who filed the contest uh, was actually put into office. So there's precedent for this. This is not unprecedented in Arizona. This is following the statutory procedures and, and really the timeline that we've seen in other election contests. Fascinating. 106 wow. years ago this year. How about that? That's pretty amazing. Uh, Jennifer, I want to ask a little bit about the storyline that the media has taken the last couple elections compared to the ones they had a decade ago. Uh, a decade ago, media was saying, oh, Arizona elections are embarrassed, they're ashamed. And, and then when the Democrats started having success, the media quieted down. But the same problems came to keep seeming to persist there. Arizona, does it really have a healthy election system right now? Unfortunately, I'd say not. I think we've seen a lot of problems and without the kind of transparency and accountability that is necessary to recoup and, and fix these problems, people have lost confidence. And I think we saw in the 2022 election, in my history of doing election work, I have never seen such widespread problems where you had two, three, and four hour waits and not just one, two, but dozens of voting locations in Maricopa County. Uh, and Helen Purcell, the previous recorder, was fired over just a very much shorter lines in, in a primary. So uh, it's interesting to see the media narrative change uh, because they apparently are on board now with people having to wait hours in line to vote, which historically has been, everybody agrees, is always bad. Yeah. And all of a sudden it's okay. It's amazing. Jennifer, I, I know that uh, you can walk and chew gum at the same time, so you can focus on this case as well as give us uh, an idea of what what's to come for the future of Arizona, because I know that there are some amazing patriots in the state government there, but I've also heard that Governor Katie Hobbs, uh, her, her new nickname is the Queen of Veto, so they are a little bit hamstrung. Um, what, what is there to do? What improvements can be made for the future of elections there? Well, at this point, in unless you know, Abe were to get into office, or there would be somebody to uh, kind of push back against what's going on, the most effective method is going to have to be that people are going to have to file lawsuits against uh, county and state officials to make sure that they're in compliance with the various different voting rights acts, to make sure that they're following um, federal and state laws and provisions that ensure that people have the constitutional right to vote. Uh, that isn't that that's something that uh, there hasn't been a lot of litigation on the right in Arizona. We've seen the, these lawsuits brought by people like Mark Elias and the Democratic uh, Party, uh, but groups like the, um, for instance, Public Interest Legal Foundation uh, and the lawsuits they filed, the cleanup rolls and others like that. We need to see more of that, I think, in Arizona. 
All right, folks, we're going to have a conversation with my good friend Tom Fitton after the commercial break. Tom's working on some major lawsuits to spring more information so that you and I can learn more about our government, about Hunter Biden and Joe Biden's corruption scandals. Tom Fitton with an update on all things transparency right after this message. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA, and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Tom Fitton, the president of Judicial Watch, and our good friend joins us now. Tom, let me get your reaction at the top. Uh, Republicans had to wait a few years to respond to all of this get Trump stuff. They're now not only doing investigations, starting to craft legislation. Your take on their first ideas. Yeah, better late than never. Uh, these are the sort of steps they should be taking. Um, they're obviously now only in majority control. Uh, they weren't the last two years. Uh, but Trump's facing not only threat from New York with Letitia James, it's more of a civil matter, but obviously Bragg, but you have this Fulton County prosecutor who is as uh, extremist as Bragg is, again, uh, applying a novel application of the law, and in this case, really specifically targeting Trump for exercising his First Amendment rights and going after him, it looks like in retaliation for daring to dispute Biden's election. Same goes up here in Washington, D.C. I don't know if the federal courts in the end are going to be more friendly than Trump. You know, my view is that um, if, if, if Congress is concerned that federal monies are being used to abuse civil rights of any citizen, let alone a federal candidate and former president, they should cut off all the funding. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it's got to be immediate. I know there's a debt ceiling fight coming up. Uh, why wait for legislation to, uh, legislation's unlikely to pass this Congress, right? Uh, but yeah. the debt limit needs to be dealt with and uh, protecting our republic from being messed with and protecting our elections from being interfered with by these local prosecutors and out of control deep staters in the Biden administration, which are doing uh, targeting Trump to cover for Biden in the end, as we know, uh, that that's something that needs to be a priority for Congress. Yeah, no doubt. Absolutely. 
Well, and that's not only the beauty of a bicameral Congress where you have power that's split amongst uh, two houses, but across our nation, you have these checks and balances systems where bodies can actually check on each other. Would something like this, regardless of its passage, because obviously it's going to be hard to get Democrats on with this unless they are not short-sighted and are wise, but is this something that even if it's not passed could, could serve as a deterrent? Well, you know, deterrent isn't what Congress is able to do. They need to ensure that um, federal funds aren't being misused and that uh, the government isn't being abused by people who uh, Congress is responsible for in terms of funding, whether it be the Justice Department or the New York Democrats who are trying to jail Trump. And uh, the investigation in terms of advancing this legislation or reform should include immediate depositions and subpoenas, some of which has already been done to Jim Jordan's credit of the New York prosecutors, but they should expand it to Fulton County and they should be similarly looking at uh, what um, the special counsel and the Biden gangs up to over at the Justice Department were there now using the grand jury to investigate the fundraising of Republicans. So you got one party using a grand jury to investigate another party just before an election in terms of their fundraising, and obviously trying to punish people for daring to dispute Biden's election. I tell you, you know, this is Putin-like in terms of uh, the abuse of power, and Congress has got to approach it with urgency. And I see there's some initial concern, uh, but more is better. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, uh, Congress isn't the only place that is exacting information for the American public. Judicial Watch has several lawsuits that are really, I think, breaking ground. One of them is seeking records on the Hunter Biden gun scandal. It is unimaginable that given what we know in the public, what's admitted to, what's not in doubt, that there hasn't been a charge on that case. Tell us why you're suing the FBI for the uh, gun records in that case. Well, you know, the Secret Service reportedly was involved in going and trying to scoop up documents about the mishandling of Hunter Biden's gun. Hunter's gun was taken by his then-girlfriend, the widow of his brother, Haley, and thrown in a a garbage dumpster of some type. And the Secret Service reportedly got involved in it. We asked the documents, asked for documents from the Secret Service. We had to sue. They were confused. They were like, well, maybe, you know, maybe we were asked to do a favor. And then they were cagey in terms of being uh, forthcoming in terms of what uh, they actually did in communicating with the press, we found. Uh, But we also saw that the FBI was likely involved. And of course, the FBI is uh, playing games with us, withholding documents, pretending they can't turn certain documents over. So we're suing in federal court. Uh, But it looks to me there's strong evidence and the cover up is additional strong evidence that the Secret Service and the FBI improperly intervened to protect Hunter Biden and obviously Joe by implication uh, from the implications of his mishandling of this gun. Yeah, important stuff. Seems that a lot of agencies uh, are resisting giving up documents, U.S. Treasury as well. Uh, speaking of the you know, you know, Hunter's, to... Hunter's at the Easter egg roll this last week. <laughs> and, I know. And, and I'm Trump's now. I mean, if that doesn't tell you there's something you know what backwards with yeah. our justice system, I don't know what will. That's right. Yeah, I mean, that's the most disgusting aspect of it all is that it almost seems to be flaunted. Um, speaking of the of Secret Service, though, I wanted to ask you about 
Uh, the president's dog commander reports of aggression and even biting uh, Secret Service agents. I know that you have sued for some of these records. Why is this important? Well, first of all, his previous dog, Major, uh, was out of control, bit or attacked agents and White House staff repeatedly. And the Biden White House lied about it, misled people about it. Secret Service agents were in fear of the dog. And it looks like it's happening again. We have a tip that it's happening again. We asked for records about the new dog commander, whether he's attacking Secret Service agents, et cetera. And the Secret Service said they have documents, but they haven't given them to us. So it's now been two plus months. So what are they hiding about this? And it seems to confirm that our tip is right, that this dog is out of control. You know, and this isn't the FBI's dog. This isn't the White House's dog. This isn't the Defense Department's dog. This is Joe Biden's dog. And again, a dog that seems to be attacking Secret Service agents who we're paying to try to protect his life. And he doesn't seem to care about it. He didn't he he didn't buy into the fact that Major had bitten other agents. And now the dog's out of control again. This new one, it looks like. And we're getting the runaround from Secret Service leadership. And um, obviously, Joe doesn't care because he still has the dog around. It's an amazing story and one that I'm sure we'll get to the bottom only because of the great work that you do at Judicial Watch. Tom, I want to turn to something. Uh, it's been a mostly run Democrat town for the last four or five years. Uh, but the one place that's been a consistent counterbalance has been the courts. Uh, even in this recent case involving abortion pills, uh, a federal judge had to remind the Biden administration, hey, there is a federal law on the books that says you can't male pills used to abort unborn humans. Uh, tell us the, how important it is to have that line of defense at the courts when everything else seems to be leaning left in this town. Yeah, you know, there, there, kind of, there are two angles related to this abortion pill. Uh, the approval process, the expanded use of it, which is being challenged. And then there's this rule, this law that's been in place, I think almost well over a century now, that prohibits abortifacients from being mailed. And so obviously that covers this abortion pill. And the left is depending on being able to mail this pill into states that are trying to protect unborn lives to get around uh, the rules and uh, the life protections. And uh, the Fifth Circuit, in looking at the initial big ruling in Texas there, he, they cur curtailed it, but they did remind the Biden administration and upheld the analysis uh, that federal law uh, prohibits the mailing of these abortifacients to kill little unborn human beings through the mail. And, you know, the Biden administration's got this, I mean, you know, it used to be a, those on the other side of the abortion issue on pro-life, where they said they're pro-choice. Right. Now there's this like fanaticism that it's, yeah. oh, we can't be just pro-choice on abortion. We've got to, you know, ensure more people have abortions than otherwise would. All right, folks, we uh, love uh, always having Chad Wolf on. He's up next after the commercial break. Of course, we'll talk about the border because he oversaw the border when it was a much quieter, safer border under Donald Trump when he was Homeland Security Secretary, Chad Wolf was. But we're also going to talk to him about the problem of classified information. There's a generation of American government workers that don't appear to appreciate the importance of protecting classified information the Massachusetts National Guard case, the latest example, some sobering thoughts and some ideas for solutions from former Homeland Security Secretary Chad Wolf after this commercial break. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. 
With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts, included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free, or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back, America. It is an historic day for the America First Policy Institute. They just turned two years old today, and I caught a video earlier today of their board's chairman, Linda McMahon, pledging to continue their policy fight for many years to come. And so today we are lucky enough to have one of the hardest working patriots from within that organization join us right now. Chad Wolf served as our nation, served our nation as the acting secretary of Homeland Security under President Trump and has been leading so many heroes policy initiatives as the executive director over at AFPI. Mr. Secretary, congratulations on this anniversary. Thank you for being here tonight. Well, Amanda, thank you for having me. It's an exciting time at, at AFPI. It's our two-year anniversary, and we've got a lot of hard patriots, as you indicated, hard at work trying to save this country. So we couldn't be more proud of the work that we've done uh, and that we continue to do. I know you guys have done so much for our audience. You know, I, I know that they see you on here as well as other folks from AFPI, and they know that, that you do important work. Remind our audience some of those, those big accomplishments by your organization. Well, sure. Again, it's a brand new organization, so we we're able to stand that up. We've got about 150 employees. We've got 17 different policy centers. We launched the Save America Coalition that helped build, uh, fight against the Build Back Better or the Big Government Socialism Bill. Uh, from just a couple of years ago. Uh, we launched a big tech lawsuit uh, on behalf of former President Trump going against folks like Twitter uh, and Facebook and YouTube and others. And I think that has borne, borne fruit. Uh, we've changed the narrative on the border crisis. We were one of the first organizations that actually uh, coined that term, the gr uh, border crisis, because that's what we saw it, uh, as well as talked about another, a, a number of other national security crisis. And then of course we're hard at work in a number of states trying to change uh, and get America first policies at the state. That's where all of this starts. That's where a lot of uh, lives are impacted at the state level as well as the federal. And so we're working it uh, from both ends, both at the federal and state level. And so, again, couldn't be more proud of the work that we've done and will continue to do. We've got an America first agenda uh, that we talk about, that we promote, uh, and that we are going to uh, continue over the next uh, several years. Yeah, it has a long tail to it, which I think a lot of people are excited about. Ideas win elections, and there's so many great ideas coming out of AFPI right now. I want to turn to something that I know you take very seriously, the protection of classified information. We're still getting a picture and portrait of what happened at the Pentagon, but there are really already some stark questions. What's a 21-year-old National Guardsman in Massachusetts having the secrets that normally are reserved for the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Why is it that the Pentagon didn't notice these things for four or five months? Uh, how could the New York Times identify the guy quicker than the FBI arrest him? Um, tell us your first impressions about the state of protecting classified secrets when you see what just happened at the Pentagon. 
Well, I think you're right, John. I think there's a lot of questions that the Biden administration needs to answer for. Look, I've handled classified information over the course of my career, um, and I've seen different procedures. I've seen some organizations and agencies uh, really guard that information and others be a little bit more relaxed or lax about it. Um, these are this is important information that you need to safeguard and you need to protect. While at the same time, I think that there's a lot of information that's actually overclassified. Uh, obviously, I haven't seen what we're talking about here right. in, in great detail, but I saw a lot of information at the Department of Homeland Security that was overclassified that never should have been classified at the end of the day. But there are there is information that that needs to be protected, and you need to put the right policies in place, and you need to hold individuals accountable. That if uh, somehow. Uh, they abuse that trust and abuse their position that they're held accountable for that. So again, a lot of questions to be answered here, a lot of more information to, to come out, and I'm, I'm interested to see what, what comes of it. Yeah. Sir, you did such important work in the Trump administration, and we are seeing the border just completely fall apart. Uh, Border Chief Ortiz tweeted out some 24-hour statistics. 24 hours, in just 24 hours, five and a half thousand apprehensions, 100 pounds of all sorts of drugs, two firearms, three sex offenders, one gang member. I extrapolated out the numbers as far as the fentanyl. It was 14 pounds of fentanyl, about a half a million milligrams per pound. Three milligrams are considered fatal. So that would be two million fatal doses. Uh, That would be all of Phoenix, all of Philly, all of San San Antonio, twice Austin, twice Indianapolis, twice San Jose. I hate to get into the nitty gritty details of this, but I think it's important for the American people to understand what these numbers mean. How can the Biden administration do something to to at least curtail the issue of fentanyl? Well, those are sobering facts and statistics uh, for sure. But look, the, the crisis that we see on the border and the human trafficking crisis There's a security crisis and, of course, there's a fentanyl crisis. All of these are all tied together. You can't separate these. And so as the Biden administration's policies have emboldened the cartels, we have funded the cartels more and more millions of dollars every single day and week. And so they're able to continue to produce fentanyl at records amount and and peddle that and smuggle that across the border. And for every you know, uh, for every suitcase or for every backpack of fentanyl that's found, hundreds of more get across that border undetected because the cartels have the resources to do that. And the Biden administration, unfortunately, because of their policies, have emboldened them in ways that we have never seen before. So if you want to tackle the fentanyl crisis, one aspect of it is making sure that you actually tighten uh, the grip on the cartels. Obviously, another one is is dealing with the precursors coming from China and, and having some real dialogue with the Chinese government about that as well. So there's a number of things that you can do. What the Biden administration is doing, though, is insufficient uh, across the board. They just put out a fact sheet uh, as recently as this week where they talked about, here's what we're going to do about the fentanyl crisis. We're going to increase information sharing. Well, thanks. But, you know, the families <laughs> that have been impacted about, uh, you know, about this crisis don't want to hear that. They want to hear concrete action of what you're doing. How are you going after the cartels who are smuggling this across our border every day and killing Americans? They want real solutions to a very real problem. And I don't think you're getting that from this administration. And with Title 42 officially lifting in just a few weeks, obviously the flood gets worse and worse. I want to ask you about the prospects of using uh, the debt ceiling in the budget process. Can Republicans, even though they only got one third of the government right now, can they force a sort of deal that would close up and make the country a little bit safer at the border than what we've seen the last two years? How would they go about doing that? Well, I think they can. Look, you've got you've got a Republican majority in the House. 
most of the spending measures are, are designed to start in the house. And so that base package of what that looks like, either from a debt ceiling perspective or to fund the government through appropriation bills has to get through the House. And so if the caucus, if the Republican caucus can stay as one and and speak with one voice on border security, there are some changes that they can make. And there's a number of things that they can do. I think you're going to see a number of bills marked up in the House Judiciary Committee. You're going to have Secretary Mayorkas uh, testifying uh, next week in front of House Homeland Security Committee. So there's a number of things that you can do to, again, shine the light on it, but also uh, be proactive and offer up solutions that the we know the administration doesn't like. But if you tie debt ceiling, if you tie some of their spending that they want to see to having some policy changes at the border, I think there are ways that you can be successful. What Republicans should not do is simply provide a blank check to the administration and say, look, I'm solving border security by providing more resources. What we know is they'll continue to fund a failed strategy over the next two years. Yeah. No doubt. Mr. Secretary, I want to bring it back to what your institute does as far as um, espousing and creating policies and supporting policies to put America first. President Trump spoke this week in an interview and he talked about a lot of issues that I think the American people are not used to to having to confront, but they have been forced to under this president. The de-dollarization, Chinese uh, provocations of Taiwan, nuclear war. These are things that we didn't have to worry about under President Trump. Are these going to be enduring issues a year from now when we've got primaries and we're going into the general election? Well, I think you will, uh, certainly on the foreign policy side. Look, we know that I think most of our adversaries and others do not see President Biden as a strong leader. And so they're going to continue to test the limits of their power and what they would like to see around the world. And we're going to have to respond to that. And I think that was one of the uh, the attributes of President Trump was that strong leadership and the ability to actually dictate what's going on in the world. Um, you know, we had we, we heard time and time again, our adversaries were unsure what the president was going to do. And many folks inside the Beltway thought that that was terrible. Uh, that's actually turned out to be an attribute. Um, and that's actually something that can be successful if you're strategic in how you deploy that. So I think you know, when it comes to a lot of our foreign policy challenges and national security challenges, just like we've been tested over the last two years, we're going to continue to be. All right, folks, we've got a bonus round today. When we come back from the break, an unbelievable harrowing story about a Missouri teacher who had the courage to blow the whistle to raise alarm about what a Missouri school district was teaching its young children about race, about sex. For her trouble, she's been ordered to pay a $300,000 reimbursement to the school district because she sued she and her lawyer. Coming up next, it's a crazy story, but you got to hear it because it is the truth. We'll be right back with that right after these messages. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. 
Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome back, everybody. A story that broke over on justthenews.com caught my attention, and I think it's going to shock you, too, unfortunately. An Obama-appointed judge delivered a ruling in favor of Springfield, Missouri public schools, awarding them in a payout of over $300,000 that will need to be paid by two educators who challenged the constitutionality of the district's anti-racism training. As they appeal the ruling, their legal counsel have called this act by the judge overtly hostile and meant to scare off future lawsuits by parents and teachers. So joining us now is Kimberly Herman of the Southeastern Legal Foundation and educator Brooke Henderson. Ladies, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much. Brooke, I want to start with you as an educator. I imagine there are other teachers out there who have felt the same way that you did about certain curriculum in their schools. Uh, I, I want to give you the floor and just allow you to tell everybody your story and talk to us about why you decided to step forward and take action. Thank you so much, John and Amanda, for having me on your show and for giving me an opportunity to use my voice and tell my story. Um, you are correct that there are a lot of educators that felt as I do when we were required to take um, an anti-racist equity training in my school district in 2020. Um, I was put in a position that I felt there was no hope and it was a terrible, it was a terrible position to be in because during the training I had to either um, admit that America was systemically racist, a country that I love. I had to admit that colorblindness, seeing people are putting students in boxes based on the color of their skin was a form of white supremacy. Um, I had to take active action politically and socially. And if I didn't do it, I was either forced to lose pay or be written up or maybe even worse, lose my job. Hmm. It's just amazing. And Brooke, now that the judge, you see, you try to do this because you're actually concerned about what the next generation of students are going to be subjected to beyond yourself. You take this to court and a judge says, shame on you. You've got to pay me back three hundred and thirty thousand. You got to pay the school district back three hundred and some odd thousand dollars. What message does that send to any teacher who wants to stand up for their children and say, I don't think this curriculum is good for the children of our community? It seems to be a chilling message. Um, I would agree. I think that um, by not, I, I only asked for $1 in damages. I didn't file this lawsuit because of money, but I truly filed it because I care so much about our children. I do care about the future of America. I'm a grandma. Um, and so I have little ones coming up in this future. But when a judge turned around and said, you can't speak up. And if you do, the penalty for that is over a quarter million of do quarter million dollars as an educator. That's something that I can't even imagine happening. I can't imagine it happening in this country to our children, to our educators, to anybody. It sends a chilly message. Mm. 
It, it absolutely does. And Kimberly, I know that, that you actually spoke to that chilling message that they are trying to send. And while, while I hate the circumstances surrounding this lawsuit, I'm actually very heartened, Kimberly, that you are the attorney because this is right in your wheelhouse, uh, and something that you have so much experience with. How, how universal, Kimberly, um, is this lawsuit with respect to this type of cancer being spread throughout the nation in other school districts? Yeah, I mean, we have parents and teachers contact us from across the country. We've been in this fight to save America's schools now for over three years. Um, and we have teachers that are having to do similar training all throughout the country. What made Brooke and Jennifer's case so unique was really the compulsion, right? They were really required to affirm and attest to these ideas. And then when they dared speak their mind, that colorblindness um, is what we should be striving for in America and that we should not be treating students differently because of the color of their skin. They were shamed and they were silenced and their viewpoint was discriminated against. And so they really had an extremely strong case that we are going to appeal vigorously, um, both the attorney's fees piece that you were talking about and the underlying First Amendment claims. It is remarkable. I want to stay on this just for a second, Kimberly, because uh, you've been working in a lot of different capacities to make sure that parents retain their voice, that teachers retain their voice. Uh, it seems like many states, certainly red states, are beginning to say, hey, critical race theory, it's going out. All these silly things, are, they're not going to be here. And yet school districts don't always seem to want to comply with the state mandates. This battle between state and local uh, school districts or the state power in the uh, school districts, tell us how it's playing out specifically in Missouri. So in Missouri, we've seen a few bills that have come across. We have Parents' Bill of Rights that's um, out there. We saw a recent uh, bill respect to DEI training at uh, the college and other government level. And really what's happening is that as we have some of these states that are trying to uh, stop their school districts from violating teachers' and parents' rights, right? This isn't about banning a topic of conversation. This is about stopping civil rights violations. Um, when you bring this into the classroom, when you bring this into teacher training, you are arguably violating the Civil Rights Act of 1964. And so, yes, there's school districts that are digging their heels in, but there's also a lot of hope out there. We have a lot of school boards that are turning over. We have great advocates at Moms for Liberty, No Left Turn in Education, um, and they are fighting to turn over our school boards so that our local school districts will stop and that they will abide by the Constitution and that they will abide by the new state laws that are coming out throughout the country. Wow. Brooke, I want to ask you about the educational side of things, because I, I think what's most astounding to a lot of Americans is how differently in 2023 we are supposed to view race as opposed to the days of MLK, when you were supposed to look at the content of someone's character, not the color of their skin. And nowadays, it's almost like they're instructing us uh, to look at someone's skin uh, as a determining factor for how we treat them. With, with CRT and DEI and, and all of these social justice causes being injected into schools, how does it affect kids and their education? Um, I, I think that it has a significant impact and we're seeing a huge fallout, um, a huge divide. Kids are feeling bad. They're feeling ashamed. Um, they don't they don't know who to look to and who to trust anymore. And as an educator, that's always been something so important to me because I've, I've been in education for over 20 years. I've specifically worked with children with disabilities from across the spectrum. And as part of my job, I have always 
looked at each child individually, the potential of each child and how eager each child is to learn. But this equity training is telling me that I can no longer look at each child for their potential, but I have to put them into a box and look at them for the color of their skin or focus on one aspect that has nothing to do with who they are as a complete child. And I think it's a very dangerous practice. It is, it is indeed. And I, so many so many parents know it, so many teachers know it. I wanna, we got about a minute left. Brooke, I want to ask this. There seems to be a gulf between the school administrators and their allies and the teachers union, and then the, the rank and file teachers that are on the front lines there taking care of our students, whether they have disabilities, learning needs, or are just a, a part of the regular education system. Is that gulf real? Are there really a disconnect between a lot of the teachers and what the unions are arguing for? Um, I think there's a lot of disconnect just in general between all different groups. And I think that we need to do a better job in our equity trainings. I would argue for equality so that we can see people and give them great opportunities for education and, you know, not put them into a box and require outcomes. Um, but, you know, close that divide and let's get back to just being great educators where education and excellence is education. Excellent and excellence in education is the expectation and not the exception. Amen. Kimberly, before we go, I know you have a lot of resources on your website for parents. Uh, give, give us that really quickly. Yes, slfliberty.org. Kimberly, we love having you on. We love these updates from you. And Brooke, um, Thank you so much for your courage, because I know that there are a lot of teachers and educators out there who feel the same way. They're probably experiencing the same or very similar circumstances, and they probably look to people like you for inspiration. So we thank you for having that courage. All right, folks, thanks so much for spending your day with us a Sunday, a good part of your Sunday day with us. We hope we fed it with some food for thought and some really great ideas and some new policy ideas, some new facts you might not know. A big thank you to all of our guests, of course, Congressman Ralph Norman and Mike Lawler, Chad Wolf, the former Homeland Security Secretary, Tom Fitton, our good friend at Judicial Watch, and of course, some amazing women as well. Jennifer Wright, election integrity extraordinaire expert, and of course, Brooke and Kimberly fighting an amazing fight for parents in Missouri. What a show. I hope you have a great Sunday afternoon enjoying the spring weather around this great country. We'll be back Monday with regular programming. Until then, God bless you and have a great night. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So, you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 98 98 right now. 
History, economics, the great works of literature, the meaning of the U.S. Constitution. Did you study these things in school? Probably not. Or even if you did, like I did, maybe it's time for a refresher. Time and technology have changed a lot of things, but they have not changed basic fundamental truths about the world and our place in it as America. That's why I'm so excited that Hillsdale College is offering more than 40 free online courses in the most important and enduring subject. You can learn about the works of C.S. Lewis, the stories in the book of Genesis, the meaning of the U.S. Constitution, the rise and fall of the Roman Republic, or the history of the ancient Christian church with Hillsdale College's online courses, all available for free. That's right, you heard me, for free. You don't get anything free in the Biden economy today. I personally recommend you sign up for the American Citizenship and its Decline. It's with my good friend, the great historian, Victor Davis Hanson. In this eight-lecture course, VDH, as I like to call him, explores the history of citizenship in the West and the threats it faces today. Threats like the erosion of the middle class, the disappearance of our borders, the growth of an unaccountable deep state, and the rise of globalist organizations. The course is self-paced so that you can start whenever and wherever. So start your free course, American Citizenship and Its Decline, with my good friend, Victor Davis Hanson, today. How do you do that? Go right now to hillsdale.edu slash justnews to start. It's free, and it's easy to get started, and it's an easy URL to remember. All you got to do, go to hillsdale.edu slash justnews. One more time, hillsdale.edu slash justnews.